Acts chapter 1. Going to continue in our series, The Prevailing Church. Last week, we looked at unity in prayer. We said this, battles are won and lost on your knees. And um, I hope you believe that, and I hope you'll remember that. We looked at being of one, of co- one accord. Then we looked at number two, the obvious ambition. And then number three, the open appeal. And then we were challenged with praying for the next 66 days for God's will to be done at our church. It's been seven days. If you committed to that, I hope you've done well. As I, uh, somebody told me this morning that they uh, missed a day, and so they doubled up the next day, which is okay. The key is to uh, continue to do it. Don't let Satan get you down. And don't let him say, because you missed a day, oh, you can't continue on. No, just continue on. And uh, hopefully for the next, um, really, the, the entire span of your lifetime, we should be praying for our church and God's will to be done. I want to read for you Acts chapter 1. We left off there in verse 14. I want to read for you Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 1 and verse 15. The Bible says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, a seldoma, which is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let this Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, of these men, which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, and that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have here tonight. And I pray that you would help us as we look at filling the position Father, I pray that you would help each of us as we move forward in our Christian lives that we would do what it is that you want us to do. Father, if someone here in this room tonight needs to fill a position, then Father, I pray that you would prick their hearts, begin working in them even now. Father, that your will would be accomplished here tonight. We love you so much. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. I do want to preach a message that I've entitled, Filling the Position. Filling the Position. Anytime there is a position open in an organization, there is a great, present, <clears throat> excuse me, great potential of disaster. First of all, in that position, none of the work is getting done, right? So because there's a vacancy there, so that work's not getting done, that's not a good thing. And the second part is there's a lot of time needed to find, train, and assimilate another person 
to that new position. So the person, the leadership then has to find somebody, which takes a lot of time, and then they have to train them, and then they have to get them involved in that position. And so uh, anytime there's a position vacant, there's some really hard times in any industry. And so we have much the same problem on Wednesday nights when Somebody calls and says they can't make it on the bus. There's the mad scramble. Hey, who can, who can we get to go on the bus and who can we get to fill this position and who can we, you know, who do we want to be able to get into there and we don't necessarily have to train a whole lot in that perspective, but we need people to jump in right away and get in there. And so there's these problems and this is the problem that the apostles have right now. Judas was one of the 12 and he betrayed Jesus Christ. After he betrays Jesus Christ, he throws the money at the, uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious rulers and says, listen, I don't want this money anymore. And then he goes out and hangs himself, the Bible says, and these Pharisees and Sadducees know that they can no longer use this money because the Bible even uses it and says this is the price of blood. And so they use that and they buy what's called a potter's field. And they go and this is a place where people would be buried and it's in this passage, it's called Aseldama, that is to say, the field of blood. So all of these things are kind of uh, piling up, and now there's a vacancy in the apostleship. Of all things to be a vacancy in, that's probably not a good thing, all right? This is where the foundation of Christianity comes from, Jesus Christ and his 12 apostles, and now there's a vacancy in that. If you want to write something down, please write this down. My willingness allows God to perform his will. My willingness allows God to perform his will. The problems come up often in a church. The vacancies. And I believe if the church is going to prevail, it must fill these open positions but it must be done according to the will of God. And so this is why this saying is so key, because my willingness allows God's will to be done or God to perform his will. I would like to show you tonight three steps the apostles took to fill the position, to fill the position. The first thing I want you to see is the purpose, the purpose. In order to fill a position, we must understand the purpose of the position, What's the purpose of the position? Why, why did they need to, what was the importance of them filling this position? Well, they already had 11, 11 people in leadership. And if you'll look and you go back in here, you'll see that they had approximately 120 people with them. So there's a fair amount of people. And so they have 11 people. But what was the significance? What was the importance of adding that 12th person? What was the point of it? Well, I did some research on the study or on the number 12 in the Bible. Well, there were 12 sons of Jacob. Anybody that can name them all? No, I can't either, to be honest. But um, there's 12 sons of Jacob, which in turn gives us the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, and so we see these 12 tribes of Israel all throughout the entire Bible. They're constantly brought up. They're brought up in the book of Revelation. They're brought up everywhere, the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, I want you to keep your finger here in Acts chapter 1, and I want you to go over to Matthew chapter 19. I want to show you part of the purpose of there being 12 apostles. 
Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28. Mm-hmm. This is right. My notes are awkwardly wrong, but 1928 is correct. Okay. Sorry about that. That was a very long pause. (laughs) Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones. Now watch this. Judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So the goal, the, the, the thing that they were to do, they were following Jesus. And so the thing that they were supposed to do was they were going to sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. We see in the, um, in, in the book of Revelation that there are 12 foundations of the new Jerusalem, the new city. There are 12 foundations, and each of those 12 foundations correspond to the 12 apostles. So here's some key things that there needs to be 12. If there's only 11, some of these things cannot take place. And so the importance of this is when Jesus or God predicts something or tells that something's going to happen, he will always follow through even to the minutest detail. And so here we see it again. No, there cannot be 11. There must be 12. Regardless of the futuristic meanings, there are also historical reasons. And in our passage, if you'll go back there, You can see that twice, twice it talks about uh, how the Holy Ghost spake of the mouth of David concerning Judas. And in verse uh, 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms. So there's two times that we see David and the book of Psalms mentioned. And so I want to show you how David speaks of Judas. I want you to go to Psalm 41. Psalm 41. By the way, Pretty much any time that the Bible says that it was written aforetime or it was spoken by the mouth of David, you can usually find that somewhere else in the Bible. If you look at uh, Psalm 41 and verse 9, the Bible says this, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And that also, if you will, go to John chapter 13, that will correspond with what Jesus says of Judas. John chapter 13 and verse 18. Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. He begins to tell his disciples of someone who will uh, um, basically betray him. And in verse 18 he says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And if you want to take that back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 in the heel and the head and all of these things that tie in together, you can see that Judas was indwelt by the devil and God takes care of that. Psalms also talks about making his house a desolation. We won't turn there, but for sake of time, Psalm 69 and verse 25 
talks about making his house a desolation, and it also tells us that those people should separate from him. So here's all these things tying in together, a lot of necessary information, but it's all there for a purpose. And regardless of futuristic, regardless of historical reasons, there was a present physical need to be met. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, you'll see a word that I want to show you. Acts chapter 1. By the way, every word of God is important. It is there for a reason. The Bible says this in verse 20, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. Watch this. And his bishopric let another take. I want to show you the definition of bishopric from Strong's Dictionary. It means inspection. It means superintendence. It means visitation. So here are the qualifications. Here are the immediate needs of the apostleship. They had an immediate need of inspection. They had an immediate need of superintendence, and they had an immediate need of visitation. I believe there was a need for inspection of the things of God. Because at this time, Jesus is now gone. Jesus is gone off the picture. He's ascended into heaven. And, and there's now going to be an immediate need for them to inspect the things of God and make sure that everything is built upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. We don't want to have anything else come in, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. I believe there was a need for superintendence, or if you will, oversight of the functions of the emerging church. You see, at this time, the church is beginning to emerge. At this time, there's 120 people. That would be the nucleus of the church. They're, they're starting this. They're getting out, and they have to oversee 120 people and make sure things are done well. I believe there was a need for visiting these people. I believe there was a need for encouraging these people. As you'll see in the book of Acts, there's much said of persecution. There's much said of going house to house. There's much said in the visitation of these things. You see, they needed someone else to fill this position. One of the points in our mission statement as, uh, as we went through vision night almost a month ago now, if you can believe that, was to equip leaders. It was one of our Goals, one of our things that we want to accomplish as a church, and that's to equip leaders. You see, I believe the need for leaders in this day and age and in our city and in our church is immense. I believe our city needs leaders. The people in our city need people to visit them. They need someone who will come alongside them and not just say hello to them, but will spend time with them and understand them and learn them and minister to them. I believe our church needs leaders. I believe the people in our church, we need them to inspect the things of this church. We need people to understand and make sure that we're going in the right direction. We, we have men that sit uh, as a board of directors, if you will, or as what, you call them what you want, financial directors, and we sit and they make sure we're going in the right direction as a church. See, we have a need for those things. We need people that will help with the oversight. We need people to visit people in this church at one point i had somebody doing some visiting for me i couldn't keep up with all the demand uh with um 
the primetime group, I had several people in the hospital, and I just needed some help. And so I asked somebody, and that was a huge blessing for me. They would just go, and they would just visit with some of the shut-ins, people that I just couldn't make it to or it was taking a much longer getting around to. What a great help that was. And, and so we need people to take the bishopric. And in this instance, they needed somebody to do these things. This church needs people in leadership. This church needs people in leadership. You see, the purpose, the need is simply this. It's a great church. It's a great city. It's a great country. And one person or two people or three people or 12 people are not going to finish the task. It's going to take leadership to step up. It's going to take people to step up and do what it is that God has called them to do. In order to become a leader, though, and fill these positions, there are number two, the prerequisites. The prerequisites. If you'll look at verse 21 of Acts chapter 1, Peter, again, he's standing up. He's the uh, outspoken leader at this time. And he says, listen, we need someone to take his bishopric, and here are the prerequisites or the requirements for it. Verse 21, wherefore? Of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So first of all, the first prerequisite is that these men accompanied them. Accompanied them. They had walked with Jesus. They had talked with Jesus. They had watched Jesus. They had learned from him. These men were found to be faithful. They were found to be of the same mind as the other apostles. They weren't necessarily, and if you go back and look, you'll see that the apostles were chosen out of all the people that followed Christ. There were a bunch of people that followed Christ, not just the 12 apostles, but Jesus chose 12 out of all those people to follow him. And he says, listen, this person must have the prerequisite that they accompanied us. They were with us. They spent time with us. They were of the same mind. They weren't against us. They walked with us. They were unified with us. And I would say much the same of somebody who needs to be a leader in our church. They must accompany us. They must walk with us. They must spend time with us. But not only that, they must be, do that for a set amount of time. There must be a, a set amount of time. If you'll look in verse 22, it says, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us. So from the baptism of John, which is when Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit ascended like a dove upon Jesus, and John said, I don't, I don't want to baptize you. I have need that, that, to be baptized of you. And, and, and he says, listen, no, suffer it now to be so for righteousness' sake. And so John baptizes Jesus. That's the beginning point. And so these people must have been for a set amount of time. And not only that, they must have seen him ascend into heaven. And so apparently these two men are the people who met this criteria. But not only that, they had to be witnesses of his resurrection. The end of verse 22 must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection? What is a witness? Somebody that saw it happen, right? And so these people, not only would they have been with Jesus, 
as from the beginning until his ascension, they would have seen or taken part of somehow seeing his resurrection, seeing him after the, the death on the cross. And so this was the prerequisites. They were to be a witness of Jesus Christ's resurrection. I believe that this church needs people from this church to be leaders. I want to say that again. If you're not awake, wake up for a second, okay? I believe that this church needs people from this church to be leaders. I'm going to be honest with you. I am not from this church. I did not grow up in this church. Pastor Holland did not grow up in this church. He's not from this church. Pastor Levi did not grow up in this church. He's not from this church. He made that well-known this morning when he said, oh, welcome to New Testament Baptist Church on accident. <laughs> That's okay. Nobody's making uh, any you know, horrible remarks. Oh, you're not even from here. That's not what we're getting at. The fact of the matter is we are here now. And this is our church and we're not going anywhere, but we want to see leaders in this church raised up to be leaders of this church. I don't necessarily have a, a strong desire to bring people in from other churches and say, come into a leadership position here. I want to see these people, the people that I'm staring at tonight, and I want to see them grow up, and I want to see them be leaders, and I want to equip leaders in this church. You see, it's our responsibility. We don't want to leave it to some other Bible college student or some other person or some other church to equip leaders for this church. We should have leaders from this church. I believe that wholeheartedly. Now, will we ever have somebody come in from another church? We probably will because we want to train people as well. But I want to see people grow up in this church. And I want to see people, see people be leaders in this church. And folks, to be honest with you, if I see people leave this church to be a leader at a different church, praise the Lord. That's exciting. I don't want to hold all the good stuff to myself. I want to see God moving and I want to see God doing something with leaders in our church. I want to see leaders that will join with us that will accompany, accompany us. I want to see leaders that will be in this for the long haul, that will go through the ups and the downs of ministry, through the good times and the bad. They just stick with it. They just do the right things. We also need leaders that are seeking Christ, leaders that are having a close walk with Christ. If this church is going to prevail against the gates of hell, then we must have people to fill positions. Listen, had I not been here and taken over after Pastor Stone, who would it have been? I don't know. I believe God miraculously put us together. If I look back through my life, I believe that 100%. I believe God called us here for a specific reason, but who would it have been? I hope it would have been somebody from this church. I had the great privilege of being here for nine years and becoming a part of this church before I was ever given the pastorate. But the fact of the matter is, when I'm gone, who's it going to be? I want it to be somebody from this church. When the bus workers that are currently working, are we going to go to somewhere else to get those bus workers or are they going to be people from our church? When the current 
financial directors are done with their positions? Are we going to raise up somebody from this church or is it going to be somebody else? You see, we have lots of needs in this church. And we need people to rise up seeking Christ, spending time with God, understanding him, walking with him. And you know, faithful, just faithful people. We need that. And if the church is ever going to prevail, we need people to rise up. I believe this, if we do not have people in place to fill the positions, then we will not have the right balance. We will not have the right balance and Satan will have a foothold. You see, if, let's, let's just be honest. If, if I spend more time doing work than studying the word of God, and as we'll see here in Acts, then I'm not fulfilling my God-given responsibility to this church. And so the balance gets out of whack. And so we can't have that. We have to have people that rise up and do what it is God wants them to do. Otherwise, Satan will have a foothold. And in order to have leaders like this, that have these prerequisites, we need to look at number three, their predisposition. Their predisposition. I want you to look with me at number one, the apostles. The apostles. I want you to notice in verse 24 what the apostles did. The apostles had a predisposition. The apostles, verse 24, and they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. I don't think it's any wonder that again they pray. I don't think it's any wonder that again they seek God's face and they begin asking God, God, who is it? We pray almost, uh, let me put it this way, not on a daily basis, but very regularly for God to raise up leaders in our church. I think it's our responsibility. I think it's our responsibility as leaders to pray for leaders. And that's exactly what the apostles do. God, show us which one it is that you want us to choose. Show us which one it is that you want to bear witness of your resurrection. Show which one of us is that you want the bishopric to take over. Show us. And they pray. That's their predisposition. But I want you to look at the candidates. I want you to think about what their predisposition was. And I think this is key I believe willingness was their predisposition. Willingness. Nothing more, nothing less. If you will, I want you to go to Mark chapter 1 with me. Mark chapter 1. Verse 16. Mark chapter 1 and verse 16. The Bible says this, Now as he, being Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. Verse 17, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Verse 18, And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. You see, in order to be an apostle, which we see here, these men were apostles. These were the ones Jesus called. These are the ones he went out and chose by hand. He said, listen, you guys, quit what you're doing and come follow me. 
Quit your job. Quit your livelihood. Put everything aside. Do what it is that God has called you to do. And the Bible shows us very easily that it's their willingness. They're willing. Okay. See you later, Father. See you later. We're going out. You just stay here with servants. You help that out. You pick up where we left off. We're going to serve Jesus Christ. And they go. And they follow him. And they become the inner circle. Then we see... Peter and Andrew, and we see them, and we see them fishing, and they, they follow me. And they leave their nest right where they're at, and they go, and they follow Jesus Christ. They had a willingness. You see, I believe Matthias and this other man had a willingness. Hey, gentlemen, I have no idea. I have no idea how they picked these two out of 120. No idea how that worked. I believe it was through prayer and through the whole working of the Holy Spirit but I have no idea how they chose them. But I know this, when they said, hey, you two, come on over here. They said, okay. And they became willing to do what it was that God wanted to them to do. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse to believe that God is not calling people anymore. I refuse to believe it. In fact, I disbelieve that God would stop calling people. You see, you know what I believe? I believe that people are not willing to listen. God is still calling, hey, hey, will you follow me? The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We need somebody that will step up and that will do what I called them to do, but we're too busy or we're too distracted, or we're too whatever, or we're too comfortable in our jobs, or whatever we are. Listen, God wants to use some of you. In fact, I believe God wants to use all of you in some capacity or another, but God wants to use some of you in a great way. God wants to take you, and he wants to replace somebody, some position, a bishopric, if you will, and he wants you to be a superintendent, and he wants you to be a visitor, and he wants you. But we're too busy. We're not willing. We're not excited to do what God wants us to do. In fact, no, we, we put our head down and say, don't pick me. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be picked. You see, my willingness allows God to perform his will. Think about just simply your life. Do you realize that God's something to try and, try and to do something with your life? Can God do it without your life? 100% he can do it with your, without you. But he wants you. He wants you to be willing. He wants you to be doing something. He wants you. And my willingness will allow him to do his will in my life. And who knows what with it after that? There's a need in this church, there's no doubt, and I can give you a list of things that we need to get done. But beyond that, there's a need in the world. There's a need in this country. As far as I know, there's 16 churches right now without a pastor. We have the opportunity to send a couple guys up to a church in a couple weeks to preach, just fill the pulpit. As far as I understand, that church is set to close down before Easter. 
That church is just a few minutes away, really. And you look across our country, you look across any country, and you look, you look at London. Yeah, there are churches there. There's good churches there. There's also 350,000 people there, 380,000 people now. You see, just outside of our back door, there's a huge city that needs leadership. You take the farming communities around here. They need leadership. We have a great responsibility, and I refuse to believe that God is not calling some of you. I refuse to believe that God is not pricking some of your hearts and saying, listen, I want you. And they cast the lots, and your name is chosen. You say, oh, no, not me. Let somebody else do it. No, 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 I'm not qualified. Listen, none of us are qualified to do what God wants us to do. Not one of us are qualified to do it. But, but by the grace of God, but by the, the working and the power of God, that's the only way it can be done. Just be willing. Some of you know, some of you know that you have something in your life that God wants you to do. I believe that. You know it. And you're either scared to death of it and don't want to pursue it, or you just don't know where to start. Can I say just be willing? Just be willing? Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it is working in the bus ministry. Doesn't matter if it is working in the kids program. It doesn't matter if it is working in the music ministry. It doesn't matter if it is being a financial director. Doesn't matter what it is. Just say, I am willing. Here am I. Here am I. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. There's a huge need in this country. There's a huge need in this world. We need people to rise up and fill the calling of God upon their lives. But we're not willing. My, my question to you this evening, and I'm almost done, is very simply this. If God were to call you, would you be willing? You see, there's a greater need than just beyond me. There's a greater need than just beyond this church. There's our children and our grandchildren. The need is far bigger than just now. The need is far bigger than just me. The need is far bigger than just you. We need a, we need a church that's willing. As I gave the challenge last week, again, I, I said this could change everything. I, have, I literally have no idea how many people raised their hand and said, I will pray for God's will on this church. For every person that raised their hand, I hope you're also praying, God, will your will be done in my life? God, our church is made up of individuals. Our church is made up of people, and if our church is to do your will, then I must do your will. And in order to do God's will, we must be willing. We must be willing. Willingness is the key. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.